All right, good to see everyone here this morning, and glad to have you kind of circling back with us. It was a weird summer, kind of a neat summer, though, like um, the very first week of July, I was speaking at a camp in Ireland, and then mid-July, Ben was speaking at a camp in Silver Lake, and then just over a week ago, Pastor Lyde was speaking at a camp, just managed like Bible camp, so I mean, it's, have all your staff kind of out there sharing the gospel, kind of neat thing going on. Um, last Sunday, Elisa and I were in Minneapolis. Uh, we got up at 6 o'clock your time to drive three hours to get to this church, and we barely made it. We had just, you know... Um, I had some spicy food the night before, so it was hard to get out on time into the hotel room. And, uh, you know, and uh, we were just cutting her close, and there was a little stress in the car, you know, because we really wanted to get to the service. And, uh, and literally, we took the wrong turn. There was this construction right near, the, right near the church. And so I literally drove across the meridian on this highway to get the right way, you know, and uh, the Lord got us there five minutes before the service started. So anyway, that's where we were. We were dropping off Isaiah in Chicago on Monday, and uh, he was going to Moody Bible Institute, so... And after a couple hours, we got him settled in. We did a little tour of the campus. We saw the gym. And he's like, so, Mom and Dad, are you, are you leaving? <laughs> and he was ready for us to go. And so we got in the car and we drove. And that was, I remember saying the same thing to my parents in 1992 when, I, when they dropped me off at college. I was like, so when are you guys leaving, you know? And so that's the joy of parenting adult children. So that's the journey we're on. Um, anyway, so thankful for I, I, Jill did not pass by what happened here last Sunday, so if it was good, you can thank Jill. If you know, or you know, but if, it, if you didn't like it, then it wasn't my fault because I didn't really know what was going on here. So, but I heard good things, and thank you, Jill, and thank you for everyone pitching in. A week ago, we were at camp, and then there was also a service here, and we had a great time at camp. Karina and Glenn and Glennis handled the kitchen, and the, you know, we had boats and fish and all sorts of good times, water balloons, night games. It was just crazy. It took a, like a day for us to recover. We're like, oh, that was exhausting, but now we're back. And now everyone's circling in, and we're coming back to, to, you know, to the fall mode here. And we've been looking at this little book called Philemon, and, and the topic today is that true love changes everything. And it's weird, because like, how could a tiny little letter written in the first century actually make a difference in my life? But you see, the book of Philemon is a letter about conflict and relationships, and how Jesus can make a difference in conflict and relationships. And the truth is, all of you, like me, have dealt with broken relationships. Have some, you know, past friendships that are no longer friends. And, and you, you've had things break down. Maybe you've had people walk away or betray you even. Or hurt you. And that was the case with Philemon whose slave had left, probably stole something, and had disappeared. And in the first century Roman Empire, a runaway slave was a fugitive, was a criminal. If you harbored a runaway slave, you would be complicit in his action and, and also subject to, to punishment. And so what happens is he's running around the forum in Rome where there's just thousands and thousands of people and slaves, and it's hard to track anyone down. He encounters the Apostle Paul as we read between the lines, and he discovers Jesus. He discovers God's love. And so now we have this weird situation because he's a runaway slave, but actually Paul, who the guy who leads him to Christ, actually knows his master whom he also led to Christ. So all three of these guys have had now an experience with God's love. But now how are we going to mend this broken situation? And that's where we find ourselves in this little letter. 
Paul's like, we need to deal with this. And I think Onesimus also is like, I, I need to deal with this. So I'm sending you back to your master. And, and of course, in the first century, a, a master could, could uh, have his slave beaten. There's one record in, in, in the extant literature where uh, a slave owner actually ripped his slave's tongue out of his mouth because he didn't like what he was saying. I mean, I mean, and it didn't matter. There was no consequences for doing that. You could just, you could sell him. You could, you could brand him. Uh, like a, this F on the forehead is what they said, and, and he would be known as a fugitive and given double labor because of his crime. Uh, and of course, they all knew the story of Spartacus who tried to lead the slave rebellion in the 100 BC and, and you know, the, the, the roads up to Rome are lined with crucified runaway slaves as a sign to every slave. This is what happens when you do this. But then Jesus comes in the middle of it. God's love. How does that make a difference? So this isn't on the slides. I'm just going to read. Now just, just listen. This is, you're, you're sitting in the church in Colossae. Philemon is there. Tychius and Onesimus have come, and they're sitting in the front row, and all the church is there, and they're reading this letter, which is addressed to Philemon, but, but also to the church, and there's also another letter with it, which is this letter to the Colossians, but, but here's the personal letter, because everyone's wondering, what's going on, and, and, and what is Onesimus doing back here, and they're trying to piece this all together, and so Paul writes this letter. I just want you to hear the first 16 verses. I'm going to read from the New Living, but just imagine, you're sitting there. This is how the, the first century would have, would have experienced it, just hearing it orally. Now, they, they had better retention because they were an oral culture, but just, just bear with me. Just imagine yourself. You're sitting there. Everyone knows there's tension in the room. That's the runaway slave. He's back. He's come back with, with, a, with an emissary of the Apostle Paul himself. So something's going on here. So here's the letter. It's being read. Now, just listen to it in the New Living. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And from our brother Timothy, I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. They're like, oh yeah, okay. It's from Paul. It's for all of us. But it's also specifically for Philemon. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I'm praying that you'll be able to put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past. <laughs> and everyone's nodding, oh yeah. <laughs> but now, he's very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while now, so you could have him back forever. He's no longer like a slave to you. He's, he's more than a slave. He's a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he'll mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. 
letter continues. The first sermon I talked about was the man Philemon. He's a refresher of, of, of the saints. He is one of those guys that just is generous. His home is open. He's hosting the church. He's, he's got this faith and this love which are, which are intertwined together. And, and, and now we get to the issue of Onesimus. Onesimus never says anything in this book. Paul is speaking on his behalf. But as I looked at this letter and I thought about it, the first thing that came to mind is, you know, when you encounter God's love, it changes you. You can't come to know the God of love without it somehow impacting your life. The guy writing this letter had such an experience. He's, he's on the road to Damascus. Paul the Apostle was actually Saul of Tarsus. He was a, a you know, a, a, the early form of the Mossad. He was a defender of the Jewish way of life and the Jewish religion. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, it talks about him breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. I mean, he hated Christianity. He hated Christians. He was going to do everything he could to, to, to defend and to uphold the Jewish way of life and the Jewish faith because he, he felt like this sect, this cult, was, was impinging upon Judaism. And on the road to Damascus, boom, he encounters this, this bright light and this, this voice from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And obviously he, he recognizes God. Okay, who are you, Lord? And then the voice says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And he's blinded. He's led to a house for three days. He's kind of in this stupor. He's probably thinking through, like, how could I be so wrong? While he's in this house, meanwhile, there's another disciple of Jesus Christ in the, in the, in the town, and he's praying, and the Lord appears to him in a vision. He's like, Ananias, I got a job for you. Okay, Lord, yeah, go over to that house on, on you know, Straight Street there, and, and you're going to find a guy named Saul from Tarsus. And, and I was like, wait a second. Lord, you know who this guy is? Oh, yeah, I know who this guy is. He's my chosen instrument. You need to lay your hands on him and pray for him. Like, like, Lord, he's been like breathing out murderous threats against us. And you want me to go pray for him? But Ananias goes and he prays for him and the scales fall off of Saul's eyes and suddenly he is truly born again. He believes in Jesus Christ and it's changed his life. He's encountered the love of God. Here I am, killing Christians, you know, endorsing it, watching Stephen get stoned. They're putting their, their, their coats at my feet. I'm there. And now God in his love has reached out to me. And he begins to, to tell people, especially other Jews, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in the book of Acts chapter 9, it says, the people are like, is this the same guy? Like, is that really the same guy? Like, we knew this, this, this guy was coming, this Mossad terror, you know, you know he's looking out for, for these Christian terrorists. He's going to destroy this, this cult. And, and all of a sudden, there he is saying, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What happened? He encountered God's love. Changes you. It can hit you like a freight train. I got a picture here. I think of the, of the freight train there. Yeah, you know. You just imagine all those tankers full, right? So when, it, when it's got a full head of steam or, you know, a, you know diesel's at, at a highest RPM, I mean, if it's got to stop, it puts on the brakes, but it takes a long time to stop. Why? Because it's all that momentum and all that force and all that velocity, and God's love is like that. If you get hit by that train, you will not be the same. <laughs> Even the best forensic, you know, medical professionals cannot restore you. But God's love doesn't destroy us. It, it, it rebuilds us in a totally new way. And like a freight train, God's love hits you 
and it changes you. So Paul is, is in, in Ephesus, and, and all the neighboring areas are coming in, and he's preaching the gospel. People are getting, are, are turning to faith in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose again so that I can experience and walk in newness of life and, and, and experience the, that, that justification by faith. And, and in the midst of that, this guy named Philemon discovers Jesus. And he goes back to Colossae, and they get this church going in Colossae. And, and, and so, so he experiences God's love like a freight train. And then in Rome, the fugitive runaway slave, the no good for nothing, waste of flesh, discovers God's love. And it changes him too. And now as we look in this culturally, sociologically complex situation, how does the love of God cross the boundaries and the the difficulties that are just embedded into this situation. Well, that's what we discover here. That it changes us. And so Paul is going to write to Philemon and say, let me give you the abbreviated or the updated resume of Onesimus. This curriculum vitae has changed. Why? Because he's encountered the love of God. We have this new identity. Let's look at the, at the verses there. Verses 8 so although I have quite a lot of confidence in Christ that I could command you to do what is proper, I mean, he's an apostle, I, I could just tell you what to do. Um, some of you grew up in homes where, uh, you know, mom or dad just said it and you did it. There was not really any discussion or dialogue. Some of you didn't grow up in homes like that, but, but you know, Paul's like, I have that ability just to say, you need to do this. But you, you all know that when you're motivated internally to do something, it's much better than just being told externally to do something. He's going to appeal to Philemon's love so that the actions that come out are, are the actions that God builds in his life and not just from external, yeah, I'll do it. I could tell you what to do, but I'm not going to do that. In verse 9, I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. I, Paul, an old man, and even now a prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ. I mean, you, you know where I'm at. I'm an old man. The potential is that old man could also be translated and... and, and uh, an elder or um, an ambassador. There's only one letter difference. I'm an ambassador. I've got this, this status. You, you know, I, I'm currently in chains because of the gospel and because of the name of Christ. You, you know this, that, that where I stand and, and my, my neediness and, and my, my vulnerability, but, but, I, I, but love, I think, is something that's going to motivate all of us in this situation, he says to Philemon. Let's find the love in this, in this scenario. And then he gets in verse 10, I'm appealing to you. I'm not ordering you. I'm not commanding you. I'm appealing to you. Concerning my child, whose spiritual father I become during my imprisonment, that is Onesimus. You notice verses 8, 9, and 10? Finally, the verse, an end of verse 10, he finally drops the name, thunk, now, he's sitting in the room, presumably, listening to this letter be read. But, I mean, he's, he's built up Philemon. He's talked about his faith, his love, and his refreshing. Now he's, now he's praying to the appeal to Onesimus. But it takes him three verses. Finally, the end of the third verse, he finally says, oh, yeah, let me give you his name. You know who I'm talking about. The word Onesimus could, you know, you know means to be useful. 
And so he plays off his name here in the next verse. Like, you know, he was useless to you, but now he's, he's useful, you know. And so we see that there in verse uh, 11. He was formerly useless to you, but is now useful to you and to me. It's a wordplay going on there. We've tried to retain it in English, but it's hard to, to bring the, the full <laughs> feeling of it because it, 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 it flows a little differently in, in the original. But, but you get the idea. He's playing off his name. Yeah, I know that name just brings up a little bit of bitterness in your soul because of what he did to you. You were a good master to him, and he ran away. He took some money with him. He disappeared. You know, you, you, you had to kind of make, and you know, do with what was going on. And, and you thought that chapter was over in your life, and now that chapter is showing up in your life again. Some of you have had this experience. Well, you've run away from something or you've left something and then you, you move on in life and all of a sudden it comes up right in front of you and you're like, oh, I thought I could get away from that. And you don't get away from it. If you're in the pattern of leaving churches because of issues, but you've, led, you've left three, four, five, six churches, uh, chances are there's something in you that needs to change too. If you're in the pattern of, of not getting into deep, meaningful friendships because of, you've been hurt somewhere, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to deal with that internal issue. Why don't I open myself up to people? Yeah, I was burnt in the past, but, but what is my problem? And he's like, yeah, Philemon, you thought you were free of this, but no, now he's back. But he's not the same guy. I mean, Paul identifies him as like, he's my son. And Paul doesn't throw those terms lightly. He talks about Timothy being his son and Titus, his son in the faith, and these, these close associates who worked with him in the gospel ministry. And then he throws the use of slave into that category. What are you doing throwing his name into that list of sonship? Somehow he had proved himself to be invaluable to the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he had encountered the love of God in Jesus Christ. And it changed him. I've sent him who is my very heart back to you. And again, that word is not the word cardia, which is the heart. It's the, it's the splankna. It's the guts. It's the, the internal viscera. It's the, 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 you know, the soul, of the backbone of the person. He's like, you know, and he talked about how, you know, Philemon had been a refresher and, and had encouraged his heart earlier on, same word. He's like, this guy is just, just like you now to me. Paul is putting himself in the middle of this mess. I'm friends with you, Philemon, and I love your, your runaway slave Onesimus, and somehow we have to work out this love triangle <laughs> with God in the middle and his love because it's messy. He says in verse uh, 13, I wanted to keep him so that he could serve you in, in your place, serve me in your place during my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. He had been helping him, but the reality is, is like, yeah, I love your helplessness, but we still have this unresolved issue with your master, and you're both believers, and I, I'm friends with him. I'm, you know, I love you, but we got to figure this out. I could tell Philemon, yeah, you know what? I got your old slave. He's now serving me. God, it's over. But he's like, we need to resolve this, and you need to go back and make that right. I wanted to keep him. I really did. But in verse 14, he says, however... Without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your good deed would not be out of compulsion, but from your own willingness. You can't force reconciliation. You can't legislate reconciliation. I mean, we're trying in Canada. It's not working. It requires heart change. 
And that's the problem with sociology and politics and all that stuff. They're trying to fix people from the outside, but God only fixes people from the inside. When you encounter God's love in Jesus Christ and you're forgiven of your sins and you receive the Holy Spirit, now you have the spiritual capacity to actually affect reconciliation with other people. Until that happens, it's impossible. And we try and we try. We spend billions and millions in education programs, blah, 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 social reconstructions. Nothing's working. Why? Because it's outside in, not inside out. I, I didn't want to force you to do this. Philemon, I wanted you to step in. You, you know how it is. You fought with your siblings. And your parents brought you together. Okay, apologize. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. <laughs> you're just waiting for the next opportunity to bat them across. The, you know, just to kick them. You know, yeah, when you wait till we get outside, then I'll be sorry. you'll be sorry. I know who's going to be sorry. You, know, you don't have that heart change, right? But he said, you know, Philemon, I really want you to get this at the heart level, the love level. And maybe that's the level God's taken some of us to today. You got someone in your life that you just have been burned by. You hate. You, you don't ever want to see again. You, 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 you know, you see their car in the parking lot at the Superstore or at Walmart and you drive away because like, I, I might happen to see them. I don't want to go in there. And, and God's like, you know what? You got to deal with that. But you can't be forced to. It's got to be your own willingness. And in verse 15, he says, for perhaps it was this reason that he was separated from you for a little while so that you could have him back eternally. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a dear brother. He is especially so to me, even more so to you now, both humanly speaking or in the flesh and in the Lord. You've got a new relationship now, Philemon, with Onesimus. And that's the basis of my appeal to you. We're not dealing with just a runaway, vagabond slave. We're dealing with a person who has come to experience God's love in Jesus Christ, who is my son, my, my precious brother, and your brother too. And the relationship you now have with him is going to go on forever and ever and ever. So let's get this figured out now. Lisa and I were with some friends Wisconsin. After we dropped Isaiah off, we got these missionary friends in Wisconsin and Washika. And we talked about some of this stuff. They, they're refreshers. They're like Philemon's uh, and, and, and Afia to us. Like they were just, they just loved us and fed us and we had sweet fellowship. But they, we just talked about sometimes, you know, you, you have those partings in, even in the Christian life with other believers. And, but, you know, kind of come around to the circle like, yeah, but we are going to be spending eternity with these people. So what does that look like? And, and, you know, and sometimes you, you try, but there's just no, you, you, you do what you can, but, but there's just a wall. And, and it's like, well, I guess you just leave it in the Lord's hands and you hope that, so, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, we do end up in the same place together. And so Paul says, let's get to the love piece here. And let's put God's love into action, even in this difficult scenario, Philemon. He's your brother now. And so this, my, my second point would be is, is this. When you encounter God's love, it changes the way you love others. You, you don't see people the same way anymore. Thankfully, why? Because God doesn't see us the same way anymore, right? Isn't that awesome? Before we come to know Christ, God sees us as, as essentially criminally responsible for our sin. 
The punishment for, that, for, that, for, the, for the, our sinful actions is death. But Christ died for us on the cross. So when we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe in his resurrection, our, our sin debt is placed upon him on the cross. And then our, our status is, is the resurrected status of Christ. He says he was raised to life for our justification. So just as Christ lives, so we too live and walk in this newness of life, this new status. And it changes the way you love others. Because you think, man, what God did for me, there's nothing on this earth that anyone could do to me that, like, like, you know, like what God has done for me. So I, I have to see things the way God sees things. And so let's just walk through that passage again and say, you know, what, so, so what does that look like, right? And in verse 10, we see, we see people the way God sees people. I'm appealing to you concerning my child. He says, I, I see Onesimus. I don't see a slave, a rebel, a fugitive. I, I see someone for whom Christ died, and I become his spiritual father. We see people the way God sees them. In verse 11 and 12, lost causes become lasting connections. He was useless to you, but is now useful to you and to me. In verse 12, it says there, uh, I've sent him who is my very heart back to you. He's a lost cause, and now he's this lasting connection. And, and you know, when God hits and, and encounters someone's life, it changes them, and, and it changes the way that, that we love that person. And, but understand that every person created in the image of God has the potential to enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't write people off. There is some lady in your office that you think, she is the crudest most rudest woman ever. I don't, you know, like, I don't even want to see her. I don't even want to mention her name, but God sent Jesus to die for her and her sins. The guy that's out on the oil well that's got more four-letter words in his vocabulary than any other words, Christ died for him. He's crude, he's rude, he's got awful stuff on his phone. Christ died for him. That selfish kid in your high school that only thinks about themselves and is rude and is a bully, is mean, is self Christ died for them. The gossip, Christ died for them. The alcoholic, the drug addict, the compulsive work addict, you know, Christ died for them. And he rose again so they could experience new life. And so we've got to see people the way God sees them. Lost causes become lasting connections. Drifting people find direction in verse 13. See that? I wanted to keep him so he could serve me in your place during my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. He was a drifting, nameless nobody. He encounters the love of God, and suddenly he becomes this trusted associate and servant of the apostle Paul. He's in prison, right? He's dependent on everyone else. So suddenly Onesimus is going and picking up his lunch, and he's doing his laundry, and he's, he's you know, passing letters back and forth for people, and, and he's, you know, passing messages, and, you know, he's, he's just serving the apostle Paul now. He's got this whole new purpose in life. Drifting people can find direction. There's a lot of drifters in our world. Maybe some of you watching are drifting today. You got no direction in your life. And you discover that today that God loves you and wants to bring you into relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. It changes the way you love others. Drifting people find direction. Hurt and broken people find reconciliation. We see that in verses 14 and 15. Uh, however, without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your good deed would not be out of compulsion, but from your own willingness. For perhaps it was for this reason 
that he was separated from you for a little while so that you would have him back eternally. Alienated and divided people are brought together in God's love. God can restore lives. He can rebuild people from the inside out. And that's what he did in Onesimus' situation. And Paul's right to Philemon says, would you just, just help him out? Just use the love that you've received from God to, to love this man because when you encounter God's love, it changes the way you love others. We have physical and spiritual connection that works in real time. You see that um, there in, in verse uh, Verse uh, 16 and 15. Sorry, he was separated from you a little while, but now he's, he's back, and, and, he's, and, and now, you know, that, that it's real time, and, and we're part of the same family. We see that in verse 16. Sorry, now there we go. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dear brother. He's especially so to me, and even more so to you now, both humanly speaking and in the Lord. We are connected to another God is in the process, in the business of finding broken, hurting, messed up failures and restoring them to purpose and, and life and connection. And so don't give up on people and be willing to, to let that love that you've experienced help you to love others. And even the people in this town that maybe that you have been hurt by, maybe that claimed to know Jesus but really didn't do very nice Jesus things to you, at some point you may have that opportunity to make that right. And I think the book of Philemon gives us a template to say, how do I do that? You do it because you've experienced God's love and you do it because you see God working in that person's life and you release and you restore and you reconcile. It's a beautiful, beautiful peace. No one is outside of the reach of God's gracious so in the first century, God did this in this guy's life. And he's, 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 he's going to ask him now in the last, latter part of the book, which we'll look at next week, kind of, you know, so, so what do I do now? And he's like, you know, here, here's what you got to do. But he's like, here's Onesimus. He's not the same guy. Would you please move forward with him now as a brother? Now, we assume that he's going to do this because he's going to say that at the end of the book. But those aren't easy things to do. But if you've experienced God's love, it is easier to do. The challenge is that some of us are just selfish. We stick to our opinion. We cling to our hurt. We refuse to do the thing that is best for us and gives God glory. And that's forgive and love. And the book of Philemon just reminds us that God's love hits us, it, it changes us forever, and then it changes the way we love others. And to me, that's a powerful picture to our world, what God wants to do in and through, even in a place like New Life Community Church. And so you may be tested on this this week. God may bring someone into your life that you have to, you know, just step up and say, I'm going to do the right thing. We, we were tested on this, Lisa and I, just in in this late spring there. We had kind of a couple that we hadn't talked to in a long time. 
kind of just decided to move on, you know, and do our own thing and let them do their thing. And, and then an appeal came out to assist them with a situation that they needed some help with. And it was hard because initially I was, you know, like the first thought was like, well, maybe they can get someone else. I, I, I don't, do I need to do this, you know? And, but reading a book like Philemon says, yeah, I need to do this. They are my brothers and sister. And, and no matter what happened in the past and how, you know, whatever, you know, that was, you know, that water under the bridge, I need to live in the present. In the present, Jesus and the Holy Spirit convicts us to say, no, the right thing to do is to support someone in need that is a brother and sister that needs your help needs your assistance, needs your support. And so we went and we, we served them. We stepped outside of our comfort zone. We entered a place where <laughs> we didn't necessarily want to be, but because of Christ and because of God's sake, we did it. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect or I always get this right, but we felt better after doing it than we would have if we didn't do it. And they are dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't always have to agree about everything, but we do need to demonstrate God's love. And Paul says, here's an opportunity, Philemon. You as a leader in that church, you can show the way here. Not going to be easy. You might get some flack from the other slave owners in Colossae, but this is the right thing to do because this is not the same guy. He's a different man because of Jesus, and you're a different man because of Jesus, and I'm a different man because of Jesus. So let's let Jesus get the glory in this situation, and let's do the right that's the thing you need to think about. That's what I think about. How does Christ receive the greatest glory in this situation? That I hold on to my hurt or that I walk in his love and his grace? May God give us the ability to do that. I'm going to invite the team up. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're your Savior. None of this stuff works. I'm just talking random, empty words to you. Without the internal transformation that God brings when you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross, rose again, Without that internal transformation where you receive God's Holy Spirit, you're forgiven your sins, you have a new standing with God, you're justified in his sight. You have received the very righteousness of Christ. God looks on you, he no longer sees your, 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 your rap sheet of, of sinfulness, he sees the righteousness of his son. Why? Because of your faith in him. If you don't have that, none of this works. So receive Jesus Christ, believe in him. But if you have him, then you have the resources to do this. These tough hard situations. You have the internal resource of the Holy Spirit that gives you and helps you to walk in God's love and extend loves to others. When you encounter God's love, it changes you. And when you encounter God's love, it changes the way you love others. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Demonstrated to us and Jesus Christ, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You've given us a whole new standing. We're your children. We're righteous. We're beloved by you. We're dear to you. So, Lord, sometimes your children don't get along. We hurt each other. Help us to forgive, to be reconciled, to restore, and to walk in love together. And, Lord, for the person here that has never experienced your love, has never received the gift of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. I pray that today they would just feel that, that, that love that you, you have for them and respond in faith to your, your offer, your invitation. And Lord, help us this week as, as, and this month as maybe you bring situations into our life where we have to put this into action. Give us the strength 
and the grace to do what is right and brings glory to Christ. We pray this in his name.